All I can say is, had half the message ready and yesterday it wasn't going to happen. And like, okay, Lord, what do you want me to speak on? And I didn't know why he switched it, because I just don't like having things switched on me. I mean, in my 20s it was great, but in nearing 50 I kind of like the same thing. I'm just kind of consistent that way. But uh, as I walk in this morning, I hear five different things that said, okay, Lord, this is why. Things happen every day that we would not choose, right? Anybody happened to us in the last week or two things that you would not choose? Happens all the stinking time, right? Most things you can say, oh, no big deal. Other things, it's like, wow, this is really a big deal. And as I hear things this morning, I'm like, this is why. Um, title of the message this morning is, But At Your Words. <laughs> it's amazing when you hear something, then God says, okay, so this is why. At your words. But before we do that, the verse that came to my mind as we were seeing this morning is 1 Corinthians 10.31. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, I mean, think about the things that we do every day. I am so guilty of this at times. But it's amazing how Paul uses something so little as something you do so monotonously. Is that even a word? I just made it up. Monotonously. Put it in your books. But something that happens so constant, eating and drinking, and then he says, over whatever you do, do it how? To the glory of God. So when you got up this morning and your spouse says, Hey, did you? And you like, and the fight started, did you do it to the glory of God? When you went out there and had some wrong thoughts, was God glorified? When you think about relationships in your life, was God glorified? I mean, I don't know about you, but that's real, right? Let's be honest. Every day is an opportunity to bring glory to God through everything that you do. Every action and reaction. Every thought. And he says, bring it all to the, do it all to the glory of God. Wow. It's like, jab the knife in, and it's like, you had that wrong thought. Ooh! <laughs> yeah. It just feels that way sometimes, doesn't it? Because we know that what we're doing is not to the glory of God at times. But have you ever struggled with trusting God? Have you ever struggled with it? I have. Still do from time to time. The little things, the daily things, the big things, the little things, the things I planned, the things I didn't unplan, or didn't plan. It's a struggle. I think it really doesn't matter the situation. I think all of us have struggled at one point or another or are struggling right now to trust God through a circumstance. Sometimes because we can't see the outcome. I mean, I don't know about you, but there's a narcissist in all of us. We've got to control the outcome, and when you can't control the outcome, it just gets bad. Sometimes it's because we think we don't have the skills or abilities required to do what we need to trust God for. Sometimes it's because we think we know better. We, we got this, God. I, God, I, I know most times, you know, we, we, we trust you, but God, I got this one. I don't need you for this one. This, this one I got. Really. I'm reminded how much I don't have it. But whatever the rationale, the result is the same. Lack of trust and obedience. 
And in the passage we're about to look at, there's a story about a man who was asked to do something. Something he really didn't want to do. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been asked to do something you didn't want to do? Every kid ought to be raising his hand in here. Right? And many of us, from our employer, our boss, supervisor, whatever, look at, look at Luke chapter 5, verse, beginning verse 1. So it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by Lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into the one of their nets, or one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little farther from the land, and he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. And when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all the night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they had caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled the both of the boats so that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at his Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord." For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. Lord, I ask that you would speak to our hearts this morning through your word. And Lord, I pray that, Lord, if your word would challenge us and convict us, Lord, might we respond appropriately. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You notice that Simon, Peter, was asked to do something he really didn't want to do. And I think about the situation here. They had been out fishing, right? They had had their fish or their nets in the water. They didn't catch anything. They were unsuccessful. And now they're at this situation, really, if you can kind of put your, your, your thinking cap on just a little bit, they're all out there and they're all getting their nets cleaned up. They're kind of getting put them away for the night. And they're all kind of getting ready to go back to their places, you know, their homes at night. And all of a sudden Jesus says, wait a minute, let's cast out a little bit further. Oh, are you serious? I mean, you can almost see it, right? Everything's got, everything's being put away. And when he stopped speaking, he says, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Lord, I mean, don't you understand? I mean, we, we've been out here all night. We're tired. We want to go home. It's time to, it's time to get into bed. It's time to get some rest. It's time to go eat. I really don't want to do this. Come on, let's be honest. How many of you have had to do something you really didn't want to do? But here's the other thing. There are certain people that can get you to do something when no one else can. You know, if someone from work were to ask you to do it, and say, uh, no way. But when it's your daughter asking you, it's like, oh, sure, because she's got you around her little pinky. All right? There are certain things that your kids can get you to do or a certain friend can get you to do or that certain somebody in authority or a position of power can get you to do that you really wouldn't do except for who he was that asked you. I think that's kind of where Peter is at just for a moment. He's like, I really don't want to do this. Jesus, I mean, we've been out all night. We've caught, yeah, that's right, nothing. And you know what Greek in, in the Greek it means? Nothing. They caught nothing. It was time to go home. He says, push out a little deeper. Fine. 
Maybe you've been there. You find yourself still sinfully hesitating the obedience of one who told you to do something. The crowd was pressing in. They want to hear what Jesus has to say. He's done speaking, and they're all ready to go home. But he's summoned to do one more thing. So, let me ask this question, because this is the question that came to my mind as I read this again this week. What is it that you are struggling to do that God has asked you to do? What is it that you're struggling to do? Does it have to do with a relationship? God is saying, I want you to invest. Oh, Lord, I've already done this before. You know, this ain't going to turn out good. This is going to get bad. And he says, yeah, but do you love me? You need to show love. Or it's an illness. Man, I've dealt with that one here of late, right? One more thing. Man, I am so... Nick said it to me this morning. He goes, man, we couldn't wait for 2020 to end. Could not wait. I'm telling you, I can't wait for this year to end. 2021, it is holding on for dear life. I'm just ready to wake up and feel good. My shoulder won't hurt, my foot won't hurt, and you fill in the blank for whatever hurts on you. It's just, I'm ready for this thing to be done. And yet it's holding on for dear life. Are you trusting God through it? Or is your mind in focus on the problem rather than the project? I don't know about you, but that's hard. But what is it that you're struggling to do? Because I think this is where the, the story takes on real life meaning. Because every one of us are struggling in areas of trust to God to do something that He's asked us to do. Maybe it's enduring something He's asked you to go through. Maybe it's handling a situation that He's allowed in your life. But what is it that is hindering you from complete obedience and trust? What is distracting you from going all in? Ask that question. Are you all in or are you just partially in? Think about it. Because I think there's a lot of people who think they're all in and they're only partially in. Is it you? I don't know. You and God know that. I don't know about you, but there's distractions all around us. There's another story I want to turn our attention to just for a moment. Numbers chapter 13. You remember the story? You don't have to turn that. I'll just kind of highlight it for you. Numbers chapter 13. He says, I want you to go get the land that I am what? Who knows the words? I am giving you. Thank you, Bill. So he says, this land that I'm talking about, it's already yours. I mean, it was already there. Can you imagine this just for a moment? He goes, I want you to go into this place. I want you to occupy it. I am, it's, it's yours. I'm giving it to you. And so they go and they check it out and they says, but there's giants. Think God didn't know that? He knew that. He says, but there's big walled cities and fortified walls. Yeah, so what's your point? See, as long as our eyes are focused on what doesn't matter, it's going to distract you and stop you from getting what God has for you. And so often where eyes are on all the buts, there's always going to be a but. Always. In every circumstance of life, no matter what you face, no matter what you attempt, there's always going to be a but. And that but may be an illness, it may be a distraction, it may be a disease, it may be you know, a relationship that broke, it may be any number of things. There's always going to be a situation that's going to arise and say, well, God didn't know about this circumstance, so therefore it's going to give me an out so I don't have to do this. 
No. Because God never wakes up in the morning, scratches his head and says, I didn't know that was going to happen. He knows all things. And the reality is, He wants us to trust Him regardless of the circumstance. He says, this land I want you to go, I mean, I mean, think about it. There are monster grapes, and there are, I mean, I mean, think about this. The grapes are so huge, the clusters, you know, you put them on a rod, and two men have to carry them, they're so huge. I mean, this, I mean, have you ever seen ground like this before? Have you ever seen a harvest like this before? Have you ever seen fruit like this before? Never! But there's giants there. And he's saying, so? I already gave it to you. It's already yours. All you have to do is go take it. But we just don't trust Him. What is God trying to do in your life? If you would but trust Him, the blessing would come. And by the way, the blessing doesn't always mean you're going to get what you want. We kind of distract that from from God's plans as well. We kind of think, well, if I just trust Him, He's going to give me everything I want. No, it's not just give me, give me Jesus. Let's get back to our story there in Luke chapter 5 just for a moment. And as I just highlighting from the story in Numbers 13, five characteristics, Peter's circumstance, there's always going to be circumstances. And the circumstance for Peter there was verse 5. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night, caught nothing. They had a hard work all night. The other fishermen were already washing the nets, putting them away. They caught nothing, and nothing means nothing. Second characteristic is Peter's hesitancy. Let's be honest, Peter was done. He was done. He was tired. He was exhausted. He really didn't want to push out further and throw the nets out again. But look what he says here. Verse 5. Nevertheless, at your word... I will let down the net. Catch this. Peter didn't necessarily have the faith at this point, but he was willing to obey. And can I just say this? There's often times that I don't have the faith, but I know it's right to obey. I don't have to understand everything, but I just have to be obedient. I'm not responsible for anyone else. I'm responsible for me. Right? Peter didn't really have the faith. I mean, Peter really didn't want to Cast them out. Let's be honest. He wanted to go home. He didn't want to cast them out. He didn't have faith that anything different was going to happen that it just happened all night long. Fish just aren't biting. I'm sorry. It's not changed lures and it's going to you know, have a different effect. It's not going to happen. In Peter's mind, it's done. But he chose to obey despite his faith. And can I just say that? There are so many circumstances that God wants us to obey despite whether or not we can see whether or not it's going to work out. He wants us to obey. Practical applications. God says, I want you to talk to your friend about me. (laughs) We say, I've done that before. They didn't listen. They got upset with me. What's going to change this time? Maybe nothing. But see, you're not called to control the outcome. You're called to obey. God says, I want you to serve in this area or volunteer for this class. And you say, well, I'm, I'm not good at teaching. I don't have time to do that area of service. Someone else will do it. God says, I want you though. God says, I have this, this sickness, this illness for you to go through. God, I don't like this. I, don't, I wouldn't choose this. And He says, 
it's not about whether or not you like it or want to choose it. It's about what I'm going to do in and through you because of it. God says, I want you to give of yourself. And He says, well, I have got too much of my own problems to give. I I just can't do that. So once again, life turns out to be a lot about me rather than much about Him. Every day God blesses us with opportunities to take Him at His Word. Notice number three, the characteristic of this story found in verses 6 and 7. It says, And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. Notice the blessing of Peter's obedience. Let me ask you a question. When you obey and God blesses, does that not make you want to continue to obey for the next time and the next time and the next time? Sometimes it starts a chain reaction. Sometimes there's just times that God says, I want you to take this step and let me work through it. Let me show you what I'm going to do with your obedience. Number four, characteristic. This is something I think some of us can relate to. Verse 8, And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from Me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Peter acknowledged the situation for what it really was. Sin. What does James tell us? To him that knows to do right and doesn't do it, to him it is sin. So when we know that we should be doing something and don't do it, it is sin. And there was shame involved because Peter knew that he shouldn't have had the attitude that he had. God would, or Jesus would not have told him to do something if it wouldn't have been for his own good. Right? Push out! Oh, I don't want to do this. Okay, Lord, just because it's you telling me to do it, I'll do it. And God works in mysterious ways. They couldn't have planned it. They couldn't have picked it that way. It wasn't like, oh, wait a minute, this net has holes in it. Let me go get a fresh net and we'll come back and start over. No, just, just, just go do it. Peter was filled with shame. He acknowledged it. He was embarrassed. And by the way, in that circumstance, you and I probably would have been embarrassed too. Right? Because it's a situation that's real. I mean, you're standing before Jesus Himself and He's telling you to push out and you don't want to do it, but you don't want to look like that guy either that's not willing to obey. You want to be Him. I think there's a fifth characteristic. And this is, I think, something we all need to look at just for a moment. Verse 10. It says, And and so also, I'm sorry, verse 9. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken in. And so also were James and, John, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. That first part, do not be afraid. For a moment, I can imagine that Peter was afraid. He's standing in the presence of Jesus. And yet Jesus, rather than condemning him, 
rather than looking down on him, rather than casting more judgment on him, because he knew the thought that Peter was... I mean, this is God incarnate, God in the flesh, right? He knew that Peter didn't want to obey. He knew that he did it anyway. And yet, rather than judging him, what does he do? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You know what that tells me? There are so many times in my life, I wish I could say I just... Man, I just obeyed God enthusiastically. I did exactly what He told me to do, when He told me to do it, with the right attitude. And you know and I know that I'd be lying. Because there's just times I haven't wanted to do what God has told me to do. And yet I know that God, in His grace and in His mercy, says, don't be afraid. I love you. I love you. And kind of like Paul I'm going to show you some things that you're going to go through. I'm still going to use you, even though you're not perfect. Not none of us are. So let me just kind of conclude with three things before we go into communion. It's never too late to do what's right until it's too late. And by too late, I mean until you're gone off this earth. You have an opportunity every day to start fresh with God. I'm thankful that we serve a God who's a God of second, third, fourth, 27, 300, 7,000 chances. Because if not, we'd all be doomed. I'm thankful that God is a God of mercy and grace, compassion, patience, loving kindness. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, Samuel reminded Saul, he says, to obey is better than sacrifice. To obey is better. It's better to obey God than anything else. And if you will take the step of obedience towards God, you'll see what God can do in your life. Number two, God knows what we cannot see. In fact, in Jeremiah 29, verse 11, He says, I know the plans I have for you. I mean, think about that. We all think we have a set of plans. We all think that, hey, next week, next month, next year, five years, whatever, kind of go in this direction. This is the way it's going to unfold. You know, by this point, I'm going to be married. By this point, I'm going to have my job. By this point, I'm going to have my family, so many kids. By this point, right. How many would say that there's been a lot of detours in those plans? Yeah. Some broken roads and, you know, water mains that have broken, shut down the road and all kinds of stuff. Just know that God knows what we cannot see. He knows what we cannot see. And He has a plan for you. And number three, obedience demonstrates our love for God. How do I know that? Because He says, if you love Me, you will keep My commands. Over and over, He makes that clear. My love demonstrates, or my obedience demonstrates my love for God. But can I also say the opposite is true as well? When I'm not trusting and obeying God, that says something too. It says, I know better. It says, God, I don't trust You. God, I don't need You. But I know that we do. Maybe you've experienced that as well. And look what happened when they saw God work. Verse 11. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed Him. They realized that following Jesus was more important than anything else. Some of us have lived long enough to learn that. Others of us are still learning that. Others of you have yet to learn that. 
Following Jesus is the greatest thing. You'll never be disappointed when you follow Jesus. Lord, just a simple story. I don't know who needs to hear it this morning, but already this morning, Lord, I've been challenged with people who have shared things that are hard. And yet, Lord, you want us to trust you through them all and obey you through them all. And to see, Lord, that when we forsake all and follow, you do bless. And I pray, God, that you would speak to our hearts as only you can. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would bring encouragement where encouragement is needed. Those who have been faithfully serving, faithfully obeying, and they're tired. I just pray, God, that you reward their labor. For others, Lord, who are making excuses, may they start. May they experience your grace and your mercy. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, just ask for a moment as no one's looking around. As we do each and every week, we just have an opportunity to respond to what we've heard. Say, Pastor, this morning, there's some areas I need to trust God in, and I'm struggling. Some areas I need to obey God in, and I'm struggling. Would you pray for me? Anyone like that this morning? Yes. In the back, in the side, all over. All over the place. People acknowledging that there's some things going on. And guess what? Things are real. Struggles are real. The distractions are real. And yet there are opportunities not to view it as a problem, but to view them as projects that God will work through. If it's a problem, yeah, it's big, it's overwhelming, it's too much. But if it's a project, every project has an end date. And God is going to work through that. Can I just challenge all of you who have raised your hand, your heart towards the Lord this morning to simply say, God, I give it to you. This circumstance, God, I give it to you. What is it that you're struggling with? What is distracting you from going all in? Don't pretend you're all in if you're not. Don't fool yourself and deceive yourself into thinking you're all in if you're not. Ask God to help you remove the distraction. Help God, ask God to help you clarify the focus and to trust Him through it all, whatever the circumstance. Anyone else say, Pastor, pray for me. Some things I'm struggling with. Yes, in the back, in the front, on the side over here. Yes. Yes, over here in the side. Just take this moment. Yes, in the back. Yes, this moment. Just take a moment right now and say, God, you know what it is. You know what it is that I'm struggling with. God, you know what is distracting me. God, you know what it's been that I've not trusted you in. You know this area of obedience I've been struggling with. Just surrender it this morning. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word and for how its truth penetrates our hearts and our lives. And Lord, all around the congregation this morning, Lord, many who acknowledge, Lord, that they're struggling, areas of trust, areas of obedience, Distractions, Lord, I pray, God, that you'd help us to remove those distractions, Lord, 
that we would clarify what you have for us, Lord, to take steps of trust and obedience, Lord, where we have struggled in the past. Be with each one who has raised their hand, their heart towards you this morning, Lord, that you would just give victory this week. Might we sense your presence at work in our lives. And we'll praise you for it, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.